This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Well, the tree isn't up. The mistletoe is missing. The gifts aren't bought, but I did manage to buy myself some extra time this holiday season. Wouldn't it be the most wonderful time of the year if you could buy some time for those you love? Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show, the show where we educate everyone about health and sex. Ah, that's the cue to put the kids to bed because we uncover what lies beneath the covers here on the Sunday Night Health Show. Remember, this is not a replacement for a visit to your doctor for whatever ails you. Now grab your lover, your glass of wine, the adult children who are still living at home. We've got lots to uncover tonight in the program. Does your teen jewel? Do you even know what that means? What is the medical assistance in dying program all about? Speaking of dying, what about those dead bedrooms of yours? How can we spice that up? You've come to the right place if you want to do that. Have you ever been advised to do Kegels? One of my patients joins me on the line to talk about how the Kegel throne helped her. Are you the conscientious, dependable, reliable type? Well, you just might have... Uh, a leg up on some other people, and I'll tell you in what arena, but you can guess, I'm sure. What do you want in a relationship? Well, depending on what you want depends how you flirt. It's going to be an interesting, interesting segment. And do you think that low sexual desire is a women's issue? Think again. The sex doctor from Winnipeg, Manitoba joins me tonight as well, a little bit later on in the program. And one question I had today after I was on Twitter... <laughs> Are yeah, I spend my afternoon on Twitter. Are the civil rights activists high on dangerous driving? My rant, if I actually am a ranting type. But anyway, I'll do my best. Call me about anything at all. The number to call is one 9898 It's a free call anywhere in Canada. One eight seven seven. 399-9898, or you can email me, and I'll be getting to your emails a little bit later on in the program, nursetalk at hotmail.com. That's nursetalk at hotmail.com. Good evening, Andrew. How are you? I'm excited for the new bells and whistles. Oh, are you? <laughs> I'm excited for the new bells and whistles. <laughs> you gave it away. <laughs> uh, what's the point sort of hiding of. it? Sort of. What's the point of hiding it? They're, they're going to hear. They're going to figure that out soon, anyway. The it's, foreplay. Thank you for the bells and whistles. The it, brilliant brainchild here oh, on the Sunday Night Hell Show. Hell all, show. I, all I did was send an email. Hey, it's creativity. <laughs> uh, you know, it, there's uh, a lot of counts. We like to thank the network producer Catherine Stewart for these. We do have the, to those, thank Catherine as those, well. Uh, she is the one who really got these things going. So yeah. it's well, you know what? Stuff. There's no I in team. I really don't like that little expression, but I had to say it, and it's true. <laughs> there is no I in team. But you know, yeah. we come with our backgrounds and our experience and our creative minds, and we throw it all together, pull it all together, and it's all so valuable and helpful. So. Um, Anyway, that's I'm excited for the bells and whistles too. We should have had some bells and whistles going on. It I, is I, the season. I should have gotten some, uh, some uh, like a literal bell and a whistle when I said that, but it didn't occur to me until right as I actually said that. So and I could sing. That's the other. I hear the sleigh bells ringling, ling, 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 ling. Oh gosh. Come oh, on, it's Christmas lovely music. weather for sleigh ride together with. Did you know that Christmas music is proven to be stressful for people? Oh my gosh, really? What will they think of next? These are the NTDs. That's what I call them. They are the nothing to do's. 
They have nothing to do it, when they complain about it's interesting because Christmas it, songs. It stresses people out because they hear the same thing over and over again. So the brain wants something else to think about. So it stresses itself trying to think of other things to do when it keeps hearing the same stuff over and over and over again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was talking about the So com- the people uh, you know, the the like I'm a former retail worker who has braved the holidays on more than one occasion and it gets to you. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I don't know. I just sing along. <laughs> I, I, admire, I admire the resilience. It's something that I do not have. Yeah, just sing along and, you know, go, to the, go do your Christmas shopping at 5 or 6 o'clock. Any night of the week, nobody else is there. At 5 o'clock? Yeah, yeah, me? 5 or 6 o'clock. Dinner time. Nobody's there. Yeah, yeah, try it. Check it out. Check okay. it out. And, okay. you know, did I mention it's December 23rd that you go? <laughs> Oh, I, for me, I go December twenty sixth. You go on December. That's a good idea. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst at Christmas shopping. Like, I need somebody to spoon feed me exactly what they want. I know my brain just can't process desire. Some, somebody handed me a post it note the other day as to what I was supposed to uh, buy somebody in a Christmas exchange, and mm. I looked at it. I'm like, awesome. Stuck it in my pocket. Do you think I even remember what coat I had on, <laughs> or where that post it note is? I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Well, hopefully you find it. I'm sure. I'm going to have to ask again, you know, and that's one that's like, oh, typical blonde. You can't remember. <laughs> um, but, you know, don't. I don't do post-it notes. I don't do post-it notes well. Mm. Text me. Email me. Send me a message on LinkedIn, Facebook. But do not write something down. I, I don't print. I don't write. <laughs> Printing's too old school it's for It's so old school, honestly. Get with the program. And this is the program. And guess what? Right now... <laughs> And now, Maureen's Health Headline. Bells and whistles. They're the bells and whistles. They sure are. Well, first thing on the agenda tonight is, uh, is your teenager jeweling. Do you even know what that is? This is a, a, allegedly a smoking alternative. alternative. It's e-cigarettes. And apparently, according to many of the websites, um, it's for smokers by design. And it's a way to... Quit smoking, but this could be a very dangerous way to quit smoking. And remember that years and years and years ago, between the 1930s and the 1950s, uh, it was smoking itself was considered fresh and healthy and recommended by your doctor, even though most people ended up with a smoker's cough. Well, if you can't talk your middle school children or your high school children into quitting, vaping uh, because it's bad for them, it's addictive, if it has nicotine, and most of them have nicotine in them. Some of them have distilled water, but you know what? I really don't trust what chemicals are in there, and you really don't know. I I don't know. I'm not that much of a trusting person in certain arenas, you know? Um, And this is one of them, because there has been found a chemical in vape flavors that is linked, linked to an irreversible condition known as popcorn lung. You know, when you go to the movies and even if you say no butter, please, and it still tastes like there's something that's sort of like butter, not really on there, uh, that is a chemical called diacetyl. And this is just another reason to quit vaping, uh, aside from you look ridiculous doing it. Um, 
But, you know, these are really appealing to middle school children and high school children. And it's up by like 78% in high school children, according to the CDC, and 58% vaping is up. And they share it, you know, they, they share it amongst themselves. And it is addictive. But there's also a chemical called diacetyl, which I said, which is found in flavored vape pods. It can cause vapors to develop a a condition called popcorn lung, and it's the same chemical that you eat on your popcorn at the movie theater. If you are the popcorn-eating movie theater type, I'm not. (laughs) Not a big popcorn fan, thank goodness. But popcorn lung is inflammation of the bronchioles or the airwaves, and that leads to many respiratory symptoms, shortness of breath and wheezing, and of course, cough. So if your high school student is vaping, this is just another reason to say, do you want this? Do you want to get this condition where you likely may end up on inhalers for the rest of your life? We have 60% of middle school students, so that's kind of grade seven, eight, nine, that use a flavored e-cigarette. They, you know, Health Canada has warned against this worrying trend of younger people taking up this most popular habit. It's very similar to way back when, when the Marlboro Man who didn't last that long, um, you know, started smoking. And it was, it's appealing to people. At that time, people felt they looked sexier smoking. I don't think people think they look sexy vaping today, but it's incredibly, it's an incredibly popular habit. And there are links between these e-cigarettes and popcorn Lung. The medical term is called bronchiolitis obliterans, and there was a study published in the journal Environmental Health Perspectives back in 2015. It tested 51 flavored e-cigarettes and found the chemical diacetyl in 39 of them. That's really most of them. So you, you're playing a little Russian roulette there, uh, depending on which vape uh, vapor you used. You you use. Um, Anyway, only some of the flavored e-cigarettes contain it, but you know what? I wouldn't trust it. And if you can't breathe, it's extremely difficult. It is a condition you definitely do not want to have. It is a serious lung disease. It is irreversible, but you know what? You never know. You can certainly do some damage at a very young stage of your life. So advise your children not to pick up this deadly habit. Rather, go to the movies. Go and see a great movie like A Star is Born, which was fantastic, and have some popcorn there. Get your diacetyl at the movie theater. You got questions? She's got answers. The nurse is in for Nurse Talk. That is me, Maureen McGrath. Thank you so much for being here with me on the program tonight. And you can always email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. Believe me, I learn as much from you as you learn from me. I probably learn more from you than you learn from me. And uh, so first I'm going to start out with the joke for the night, uh, which is uh, sent in by Ed. What is a cheetah? Do you know, Andrew? What is a cheetah? Uh, well, it's either you know, the ferocious jungle cat or it's somebody who cheats, but it may, it may not be either of those things. I think it's a combo. I'm, I'm not really sure I totally get this. Again, okay. I'm blonde. A cougar with age spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. I wish I had like some groaning sound effects. <laughs> but I those love would be perfect. you, Ed, for sending that. That's so nice of you. It's a good way to start it off. It's a great way to start it off with a joke, isn't it? There's only one joke I know, and it, uh, it can't be told on the radio. It's the only one I can remember. But I can't tell it on the radio. There's certain CRTC guidelines. Anyway, uh, it's not what you think. I do want to read uh, another email. Lead, leads us into this segment. Hey, Maureen, we've been married for 18 years. I'm an Irish guy. I, I think I have to read this in a brogue now. I was at the pub with some lads, and we were tossing around some ideas as to how to up the frequency of sex in our dead bedrooms. Two guys said their sex lives were fine. I think they're gilding a lily a bit, Maureen, but that's another story. One lad suggested we hold back, take back the power. Two said they'd taken matters into their own hands and were having extramarital affairs. I was bloody shocked. I don't want to do that, Maureen, but I'm desperate. What's an Irish lad to do about his low libido lassie? (laughs) Well, that is a mouthful, I will say. Or not. Maybe it's not a mouthful. Uh, It's a problem, though, and it certainly is a big problem. There's a lot of women that experience low sexual desire, and I certainly see that in my clinical practice. I see couples who come in, and they haven't had sex for a long time, and she doesn't want to have sex. This is not limited to women. Men have low sexual desire as well, and a little bit later on in the program, uh, the sex doctor joins me to talk about men's low sexual desire. Um, It's all intertwined, though. But, you know, I, I have patients in my clinical practice uh, whether they are in heterosexual relationships or same-sex relationships, you know, in part, you have to look at patterns of behavior. And I had a recent um, couple, I did an online consult with them because I do do uh, online consults for patients using a program, program called VC, which is a HIPAA-compliant for privacy program. And uh, so this same-sex couple had some baggage and some patterns and they'd had issues that they hadn't shared with one another. So I met with each one of them first and then brought the two of them together, had them sit closely together (laughs) online. Uh, It had been the first in a while. But, you know, one had to disclose their history in the past and their patterns and, and one had been lying about how much sex he'd been having in previous relationships. And it turns out his other relationships had been sexless as well. And one was too dependent on the other. That was an issue. The the one had had trauma in his life. And, um, and so he hadn't shared that with his partner and he hadn't processed his trauma. He hadn't gone through the grieving process. He had been sexually assaulted um, as a young boy. And he had, you know, he was a very successful person and he would be in relationships where he had more power over the person in the relationship. And so he would typically be with somebody who didn't make as much money as he did or didn't own property, so they had to live in his house, these kinds of things. And so he wasn't even certain that this was the relationship he wanted to be in because he felt like he was living this false life. They got along well, but he wasn't certain that this was the person he wanted to be 
with, for the rest of his life, he had to deal with his intimacy issues. So if there are intimacy issues in the relationship, if there has been a past incident of child sexual abuse or assault or rape, you have to deal with those traumatic incidents. And those can certainly affect a person's sex life. The other thing, it might surprise you to know that people who plan ahead have the best sex. You know, my planning ability got the better of somebody else, quite frankly. (laughs) Not me. You know, people are often, they, people make assumptions. And I I don't know if it's because I'm mildly in the public eye or what, but people are always like, oh, you're so busy. And oh, you're, um, you know, I had somebody send me a message on LinkedIn and they said, I went through your profile and you are you have, hmm, what did they say? I do want to find this message because I thought it was very interesting. Unsolicited, of course, but interesting nonetheless. Oh, yes. Thank you for accepting my request. Went through your profile, and I must confess, you're a hardworking lady. Keep it up. <laughs> you keep it up. Um, you know, perhaps I'm a hard, I, all right, I'm a hard, I'm a hard worker. But more than that, people assume that I'm overworked, that I have too much on my plate. When I'm a scheduler, I even schedule when I'm going to clean up my office, you know, or when I'm going to organize my office, I have a descent time and that's the time where I'm ending the day. And so I take about, you know, 20, 25 minutes to, you know, to like, it's like landing a plane. I actually will put everything away and I'll clean everything up and I'll get it ready for the next day and I organize my bag. And so I have... You know, I'm on a schedule and I will schedule my recreational time as well, my free time, you know, because I have to incorporate that into my life, family time. Every time is, you know, I mean, I'm not OCD about it, but particularly work, I have to say I am and I'm committed. If I say I'm going to be there, I'm not going to take somebody else um, over you. If a better offer comes along, that's, that's not it. If I'm, you know, doing a contract for you, that's a longer term one. I'm, you know, I'm going to be, um, reliable. Uh, so, you know, and people think that I never say no, but I do every now and again, it's not easy. I'm going to do that as a segment on the show though. Um, for people who never say no, but this, this is for people, this question that this lad had is for, women who say no all the time, in particular his wife. So people who plan ahead have the best sex, according to recent research studies. And and that's, you know, not what you think. You don't think the sexiest people are the ones that are the organized people. You think of them as the spontaneous, flighty, flaky ones. I'm that too. <laughs> Anyway, I'm I'm not necessarily always organized in everything, and I'm always up for a a good bash. I can change change things up a little bit, but there are certain things you have to schedule. And I recommend to my patients in my clinical practice who are not having sex to schedule sex. And it turns out this is a great idea because people who plan ahead have the best sex. Although the, the spontaneity of sex is phenomenal, you know, that hot, that steamy encounter, there's nothing like it in terms of sexual satisfaction, but it doesn't happen all the time. So a study that was out of Germany in the Journal of Sex Research, those 
with a propensity for forward planning report better sexual functioning than those who are more easygoing. So the personality traits that fall under the conscientious umbrella, are you a conscientious type? If not, I might flip over to this personality. People who are efficient, achievement-oriented, disciplined, and dependable are more likely to be sexually satisfied than those who pride themselves on a devil-may-care approach to intimacy. Okay? So if you just don't think about it, you just let time move on, you haven't had sex in months, it may not be good for you. A team of psychologists at Ruhr University Bochum surveyed 966 couples for this particular study, most of whom were heterosexual, but let me tell you, this works regardless of same-sex relationships or heterosexual relationships. They asked them about the quality of their sex lives and their personality traits in a bid to examine if there were any links at all. And the Big Five framework was used to identify people by their personality traits, which which consisted of extroversion, agreeableness, neuroticism, and openness to experience in addition to conscientiousness. How many of those do you fall under? I'm like one, two, three, four. (laughs) You'll have to guess which one I'm not. Overall, they found that the conscientious people benefited from higher sexual fulfillment with heterosexual women with highly conscientious partners proving the most satisfied. Very interesting. This might be because men who are thorough and dutiful, as conscientious people often are, could feel more compelled to sexually satisfy their partners than others. So I don't know, my Irish friend, are you compelled to sexually satisfy your partner? You know, if a woman has a great sexual experience and enjoys it, what is preventing her from saying, why didn't I do that this morning? Why didn't I do that yesterday? And why don't I do that tomorrow? Planning intimacy in some way or form could contribute to better communication without judgment as well. And so high conscientiousness is not a bad thing. It's beneficial and it will help you to gain a more satisfying sexual life. Tonight on the program, Dr. Sarah Murray joins me and we are going to talk about why men experience low sexual desire and what to do about it. Dr. Sarah Murray is a has a PhD in human sexuality. She is also a relationship counselor in Winnipeg. She's known as the sex doctor on Twitter, and she is the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Not Always in the Mood, The New Science of Men, Sex, and Relationships. Thank you so much for joining me on the line tonight, Dr. Murray. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm delighted to have you here tonight because I think this is an issue, low sexual desire in men, that we don't talk about. It's very common. We, we're, you know, there's jokes about women having low sexual desire. About 44% of women will experience that between the ages of 24 and 44. It seems to be kind of well-known. The guys in the locker room are talking about it. They collectively get together and, you know, lament their low Uh, sexual frequency, but when men have low sexual desire, it's a very different story. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're bang on. We just don't talk about it. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. It doesn't mean that it's not actually quite common, Um, but it just goes against the norm. It goes against the grain of what we think of on a more social level about how men and women are when it comes to sex. 
you know, I did a TEDx talk and uh, I, mo- it was female centric, I have to say, mm-hmm. but I did mention low sexual desire in men, but I have to say something I learned was from the women who emailed me, messaged me, commented to me, and they said, what about when it's the other way around? What about when the man doesn't want you? That is challenging because we have this social idea, this construct that all men want is sex. And so for a woman who is not sexually desired by her male partner, that can impact her as well. Absolutely. And we know um, for women, um, feeling sexually desirable Um, being desired, chased, pursued, and wanted by their male partner is such a key component to their sexual desire. Um, So when they don't feel that, when they don't feel that feedback, when they don't feel their male partner is interested in sex, or if they want sex less often than they do, they tend to internalize it. They think that there's something wrong with them, that they don't look as good as they used to. They think there's something wrong with their relationship, perhaps. Um, But in a lot of cases, it, it, it can just be kind of natural um, issues that have nothing to do with the relationship really being, um, you know, in a, a bad place. And it, more often than not, it definitely doesn't have something to do with the women. And, you know, Paulo Coelho said, the greatest pleasure isn't sex, but the passion with which it is practiced. When the passion mm-hmm. is intense, then sex joins in to complete the dance, but it is never the principal aim. Would you agree with that? I think that's beautiful. I would certainly agree. Absolutely. And so when men have low sexual desire, what is it? And we know there's associated shame and it's stigmatized, but what are some of the reasons that men experience low sexual desire? Um, So there are endless reasons, really, but just to kind of give a few examples, um, there can be things that are more on that physical, biological side of um, of the spectrum. So, you know, on um, you know, just the most obvious is as men get older, we tend to see more of a decline in testosterone, more of a decline in sexual interest. It's not um, a, across the board a guarantee, but that de- definitely does happen. Um, so, age is one. Um, we also see, you know, with illnesses, you know, we talk about things like. Um, you know, prostate cancer, there's, there's things that occur like that have um, low sexual desire is a bit of a spin-off or um, effect that happens because of medical illnesses. Um, but then what the things we don't talk about as much are some of the more um, emotional side of things, because we don't really talk about the emotional side with men generally as much as we should be. So things like stress at work, feeling anxious, um, you know, feeling a bit low or down or depressed, I see a lot of men in my practice who are fathers and are kind of dealing with a lot of the pressures that it, it takes to, um, you know, go to work, come home, be an involved dad. Um, you know, how much should I be helping with the, the home? There's just all these like pressures on men today that we don't talk about enough. And of course, that can impact your interest in sex. Um, and then if there are the relational pieces, too. I mean, it's not always a relational issue, but of course, it can be lack of connection. Um, you know, we haven't really spent time together recently. It's not unusual to not want sex if that is going on in your relationship. And you mentioned medical conditions. What about medications? Absolutely. Um, you know, we hear more and more side effects of medications, um, particularly around antidepressants. 
Um, so that that absolutely shows up. Um, it's worth talking to doctors and making sure that you know if you're taking any medication, what the side effects are, or if you notice a change in your sexual desire, to check in with your doctor to see if it could be a new medication that you're taking. Right. And you mentioned a little bit about the pressures that in particular fathers feel to perform, to be the breadwinner, to help out at home, to be in the delivery room, uh, to, you know, to be everything to everybody in today's world, in today's changing world, and, and not to express emotions about any of that. So we can't say we don't want to turn up in the labor and delivery room, perhaps. Maybe that's not exactly a guy's forte, but he can't say that because he'll, he may be shunned by his wife and, or his partner and, and the friends and family. Who knows? There's all this judgment that's placed on men out there today, and it's difficult for them to express it. So we do put a lot of pressures on them. I had a woman, I was giving a talk on low sexual desire in women, and a woman came up to me and she said, I have no idea what's wrong with women. I love sex. She said, I'm 53 years old and I am having the best sex of my life. And I said, that's awesome. I said, and I could see her wedding bands. And I said, "Uh, you're not having sex with your husband though, right? And she said, how do you know that? I said, well, how long have you been married? And she said, 28 years. I said, because nobody who has been in a relationship for 25 years having sex with the same person is that excited about it. And she said, you're absolutely correct. But she said, what happened to her husband is that he got old before his time. He must have gotten depressed, she said, because he gained weight. He started drinking. Then he was angry and irritable. And she said she was not attracted to him, but he also had low libido. So it was it was kind of a double whammy. Right, right. That sounds like a complicated situation. Lots of factors there. Um, but of interest is, you know, kind of talking about, again, the, the opposite of what you might expect, right? The man having the higher level of desire and the woman saying no. And that is some people's experience. But again, in this situation, it sounds like you're talking about, um, you know, the man in the relationship having that lower desire for a number of reasons, depression, kind of age and whatnot. And for her, obviously having a lot of other things that were, um, you know, keeping her libido quite high. That happens quite a often, but again, it's just not the narrative that we normally talk about. That's right, including the new guy who was keeping her libido quite high. Right. <laughs> Nobody right. likes to... That's a whole other story. <laughs> it is. But that's a risk of a sexless marriage, which is what I explained to the patients in, that I see in my clinical practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I, well, I'm just... I'm, sex is such an important part of um, an intimate relationship. I mean, just to your point that Um, You know, it does matter to us if our partner wants less or more sex than we do. Whatever that desire discrepancy um, can be troubling in terms of how we navigate it. So, um, yes, to miss sex, um, if your partner doesn't want it in either direction, can be hugely troubling for relationships. That's right. And uh, nobody likes to feel alone. And, And I'm not sure if you get this question often in your clinical practice. But uh, people will often say to me, have you seen this before? Have you ever heard of this before? And, you know, a low sexual desire in men is, you know, men aren't alone in that. This is more common than we think. How common is it um, that men experience low sexual desire in their relationships? Um, So that's a great question. Um, The research suggests that about 15% of men um, may be uh, troubled by their low sexual interests, so having kind of problematic low sexual desire. Um, But there's a little bit of skepticism in those findings in that it might actually be higher than that um, because some of the stigma and lack of um, willingness to to disclose or talk about it. 
Um, in my own research, what I find is that um, men will kind of say that there's this pressure to appear that their sexual interest is sometimes higher than it is. Um, some men are, of course, authentic. If they say their sexual desire is very high, it could be high. It's not to say that that's a lie. Um, but there are also a number of men who feel that it should be high, that they almost kind of put a facade that they're in the mood even when they're not. And so it, it may be that more men um, are having lower sexual desire than um, what they're reporting um, because they feel like it goes against the norm or they don't want to admit that their interest isn't as high. Um, but again, the research does suggest that across the board, we're kind of seeing that 15% um, of men are reporting problematic low sexual desire in their relationships. And does it help? As in women, there's something called responsive desire, Dr. Rosemary Basson's um, mm-hmm. female sexual response cycle design. And so quite often, you know, in, to simply put, just do it. So if you don't feel like doing it, just do it. And that often will ignite a woman's arousal and she's enjoying it and um, is quite happy that she's done that. So we call that responsive desire. Does that work in men? Um, yes. I mean, it, uh, with a caveat, I would say is, I mean, we want to make sure that the reason that we're having sex, uh, the, the why we're choosing to do it is still a relationship enhancing reason. Um, you know, so we don't want to do it because we're worried that our partner is going to pout or be angry at us if we don't have sex. But if we can, if even if we don't feel this burning urge to dump our partner, like if we're approaching them because we want to feel close or because they've been just kind of doing all this um, amazing stuff and they're making us feel really special and we might not be interested in sex, but we still want to kind of, you know, give them a little bit of a thank you or just be like, ah, you kind of owe you one here. As long as it's relationship enhancing a positive reason, it's a great idea to have sex with your partner, even if that desire is not there. And we do talk about that with women um, frequently. Um, interestingly enough, when you talked about Rosemary Basson, her model was proposed for men and women. We just don't talk about it for men. Um, but of course, it's a great reason to say, why do I want to have sex? Maybe I want to feel close to my partner. Um, and if men aren't feeling a sexual urge, it's still a great idea to think, what else am I getting from sex? What else am I getting from this activity that maybe is more emotional or of a connection than um, a full-on um, sexual urge? That's right. That intimacy, that bond, that connection. That's a very high note on which we can leave this interview. Thank you so much, Dr. Sarah Murray author of the upcoming book, Not Always in the Mood, The New Science of Men, Sex, and Relationships. And she is the sex doctor on Twitter. And I'm Maureen McGrath, and you're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.